Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Genesis, the 37th chapter. We're toward the end of the story, in some ways, of Jacob, also called Israel. Jacob, as you may remember, ended up having fives. He worked for one. His father-in-law tricked him into marrying her sister. So he spent another seven years uh, having then, after a week, married the one he really wanted. Spent another seven years sort of working for her. Uh, Meanwhile, they had a little Olympic competition of babies, and uh, they uh, sort of included their maidservants in all of this. And uh, what happens is we see in the Scriptures an example of polygamy, and we don't see a direct condemnation of it. But as you read the story of Jacob and his family, we see the condemnation sort of comes from how the family actually develops. Lots of envy, lots of lots of jealousy, and Jacob slash Israel, he doesn't help one bit when he favors the firstborn son of his favorite woman. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy, with the sons of Billah and Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that they lo- their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told this to his father and to his brothers, His father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind, O Lord, have mercy on us. Our epistle reading is recorded for us in the letter to Titus, the third chapter. As the Holy Spirit carries Paul along, 
He's writing to um, a young pastor. He's instructing him on some of the things that should be done and taught in the church. And having some general instructions, he goes forward with them. Remind them, the people, to be submissive to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle. And to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. I invite you to please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel is recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Mark, the 15th chapter. It's an event in Jesus' life in which a rather fabulous garment, being purple in nature and indicating an expense, was put on our Savior Now at the feast, Pilate used to release for the people one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. For the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, from His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Well, good evening. I'm going to ask you, please stay awake. I know we had good food, so please don't fall asleep as that's settling now. As you can see, I'm wearing a nice different uh, robe from the usual garb. Uh, this was made for me by Renee Allman, and I asked her to make this as a way to help illustrate the point of the clothing here in the story of Joseph and how this points us further and further always to Christ. So let's begin this wonderful evening. Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why is it that when you were younger, your mom always cared so much about how you were dressed? Why does she always have to say something about the dress you picked out for church? If your shirt was tucked in at school or whether you, your outfit matched on a Saturday afternoon for running errands. Why does it matter so much to so many a mom that we look fit and proper and put together? Now you and I both know this answer. It is because the clothes that you and I wear are more than a utility covering us up and keeping us warm. It's about how we are presented to a watching world. Moms and dads understand that how we carry ourselves communicates something significant to those around us. It sends a message about who we are, who we aim to be, where we come from, and how well we are loved. For indeed, every parent wants the world to know that their child is loved. That's why even still the mature age of 28, I can still expect socks for Christmas or something from my mom that says, oh, that'll make you look so nice as a mature young pastor. Or a text that's saying, you can't wear shorts and sandals every day of your life. But either way, when we come to the story of Joseph, it's one replete with the references to clothing. In every major movement throughout this story, there is some mention of what he is wearing. And it starts, of course, with that infamous coat. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. You know, and the truth is, for sure, that we don't know if it was a multicolored coat or simply a long and flowing coat as the Hebrew here can be translated in a few different ways. But what is clear, however, is that the coat was extravagant. It was expensive. It was luxurious. It was pleasing to the eye. And it sent a clear message to the world. Joseph was prized. Joseph was treasured and even favored by his father above the rest of his brothers. And Israel, his father, wanted everyone to know this. You know, the mention of Joseph's clothing continues as we move throughout his story. He's sold into slavery by his jealous siblings. He wins, finds favor by the captors to be wooed and pursued and even assaulted by the wife of one of Pharaoh's prominent soldiers. You know, refusing her embrace. Potiphar's wife lays hold on his outer garment, but Joseph flees. She's left holding his outer cloak. But Joseph's character remains intact. 
Nevertheless, Joseph is wrongly accused and sent to prison for the next 13 years of his life. But yet the gift that he has for interpreting dreams wins him a chance at redemption. Pulled from the pit, he's given a shave, a haircut. And here we have another mention of his wardrobe. A fresh set of clothes. He appeared before Pharaoh as a new man, ready to become his confidant, his trusted advisor, his second in command. Joseph's rise to power. And what are we told? Pharaoh places one of his own rings onto Joseph's hand, a signet ring with Pharaoh's seal, and arrays him in the finest of the linen. And how it's not just his father who addressed Joseph and what some would say, all oh, that he makes him special. But it's the very king of Egypt. And whereas in the beginning, it was just all his brothers who took note of the extravagant coat that he wore. And here now, that audience expands to the whole kingdom of Egypt and the lands beyond. But there's still more. And this may just be the best part about his story. After making peace many years later with his brothers, revealing his identity as the second command to Pharaoh, and more importantly, after refusing to treat them as their sins against him rightly deserved, Joseph turns the tables. Rather than punishing them, punishing the ones who sought to destroy him, he chooses to bless them. He saves them from famine and then showers them with gifts. Genesis ends the story of Joseph in this account by reminding us about Joseph's kindness by telling us this. To each and all his brothers, he gave a change of clothes. And there it is again. A mention of the clothing of Joseph. Joseph gave to his brothers who had rejected him, tried to kill him, sold him into the hands of strangers, and told their father that he was dead. He gave them brand clothing. It's more than a special gift or practical gift. It's symbolic. It's a powerful present. Joseph here is saying, you are fresh, you are clean. And now we can start a new beginning. This is the new and his brother. So what does this all have to do with Jesus? With Joseph's story, especially every costume chain, points us always back to Christ. Well, in this case, ahead. It points us to the journey that Jesus himself will undertake for you and for I, for his resurrection, his incarnation, his crucifixion. He is the son whom the father loves. The father himself will tell us as much at the moment of Jesus' birth when the angels sing glory to God in the highest. And at, the, at his baptism, when his voice will boom from the heavens saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. But his favorite status, all the things he will say, the miracles that he will perform, all of it will anger his brethren. 
His own people will reject him and seek to destroy him. They will even strip him naked, holding tight to his garments and casting lots for them. They will try to snuff him out completely, placing him in the pit of death. But like Joseph, who came before, Christ will rise. And when he does, he'll be wrapped in glory, covered in more power and beauty than ever before. He'll be wielding the authority of the highest office in the land and indeed holding the whole world in his hands. But there's more, and this is the best part. See, like Joseph, Jesus will feed and clothe his enemies. He will bless extravagantly bless the very ones who betray him, reject him, deny, and even kill him. But he will give to his enemies more than food for a famine and a new pair of pants. To all those who believe in him and are baptized into his death and his resurrection, he will give the food of total forgiveness for every sin against God to feast on forever. And he'll cover you and me in righteousness and goodness, which will wrap around us like a long flowing robe, enveloping us as we stand before the Father. For indeed, he gives you and I new clothes for a new relationship as his forgiven brothers and sisters. This is what we hear in Joseph's story. Joseph's story, which points us to Jesus' story. It's not just about a father who loves his own son, but ultimately about God and his love for every disobedient child. And the lengths he will go to wrap us all in an undeserved, luxurious coat of mercy and grace. Indeed, parents worry about their kids, what their kids will wear for numerous reasons. Among them is the fact that there are children what they wear tells a story to the rest of the world. Tells it about the parents themselves. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father. See, in Jesus Christ, you and I are no longer clothed in sin and in shame. But we are called to His court and called and clothed in spectacular robes that you and I do not deserve. Robes which declare to anyone who cares enough to to even take note that we, my friends, are incredibly loved. See, what began with Joseph has fulfilled ultimately in the coming of Christ. God is clothing His children, even and especially the worst of His kids. And a truly, in truly an <laughs> enviable style. Salvation. And so it's just as mom says, when she sees you so sharply dressed and looking so nice, hear these words, it looks so good on you. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.